I have a message that I want to jump in with you today, and if you've got your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, so you can open up your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, thank you for uh, just the way that you love it on God, and I know this is all a new experience, and we're still ironing out some wrinkles here and there. If you look close enough, um, uh, you might notice this isn't just right yet, or that's not just right yet, but... Our God is just right, and uh, we're trying to bring him our best, so thank you so much. And really what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to love on y'all because I do love you, and I'm also buying you time to open up 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You see, see what I'm doing? And, and 9 rhymed with time, so I'm feeling pretty good already this morning. <laughs> I see shaking of the heads, like, just move on, Pastor. That was cheesy, Pastor. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it's, it's one of my favorite passages. I'm going to read it out of the contemporary English version. You can read it out of any version you want. In fact, I encourage you to study it in a lot of different versions because I want this message to get ingrained in you. And I remember when I read it in the contemporary English version, maybe about um, 12 to 15 years ago, I remember it stuck. It hit home. And so I use it quite often in my own theology, in my own walk, in my own planning. And today I believe um, this is the word God has for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. And in your Bible, it might be a, the section under a section called a race and a fight. I like that. A race and a fight. And the Apostle Paul says this, You know that many runners enter a race... And only one of them wins the prize. So run to win. How many of y'all know that our God is a winner? How many know he is a victorious God? He has never lost a battle. Never lost a battle. That didn't come out like I wanted to. No, not one. I was in between song and, and, and phrase. He's never lost a battle before. And he, if we're followers of him, he wants to raise up people who run to win. Tell your neighbor, run to win. Athletes work hard to win a crown that just doesn't even last. But we work hard. We do it for a crown that will last. Someone say work hard. Verse 26 I do not run without a goal. The Apostle Paul says, I do not run without a goal, and I don't box by beating my fists in the air. I keep my body under control, and I make it my slave so I won't lose out after telling the good news to others. This morning, I want to preach a message simply entitled, What's Next? What's Next? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would give us a word that touches our spirit, hits home with us, a, a, a word that brings action, a word that um, um, is a catalytic force for your Holy Spirit trying to nudge and move in our lives. I want to operate in unison with you, Holy Spirit. So, Father, let your word go first. Let your spirit pervade. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know... Um, I married into an amazing family. In 2005, I got the privilege to marry into an incredible family, but it wasn't without its learning curve. I don't know if any of y'all have had a learning curve with your in-laws before or not, but um, one example of a learning curve I had to figure out 
was a, now I realize it's an infamous game of Jamie Gladden wiffle ball. This is not your normal style wiffle ball. Her brother had his own version of rules. Now, I get the concept of baseball, and I get if you swap out the ball for a wiffle ball, you got wiffle ball. And I get, uh, I am a competitive person if you hadn't figured it out, so, and he is too, and it was just like, I'm going to beat you, and, and, and you're not going to win. But the, the problem with Jamie wiffle ball is um, I know that, I know what the game is. Hit the wiffle ball, advance people on the bases, Whoever gets more home wins. I understand that, and I understand the point is to win. No one plays wiffle ball saying, um, it's no big deal if I don't win or not, if I don't have bragging rights over you or not. Come on, if you entered to win, you're trying to win. So I get what we're doing, and I get why we're doing it. The problem is that the rules keep changing every time I swing the bat. Have you ever played anybody in a game like this before? See, I needed to know how to win, but I'd hit a ground ball past the pitcher, and it would just be like, oh, yeah, that's a safe single, baby. Put a ghost runner on there. Come on, give me the bat again. He's like, no, that's an out. How is that an out? Well, the ball didn't travel past the pitcher, so it's an automatic out. Would have been helpful to know. Thank you very much. So, Next that bat, hit that sucker hard. It just was a little more left to him then I thought on a regulation baseball field easily would have been in the third baseline. For him, nope, hit the house, that's an automatic out. What? Doesn't that go down as a strike? Doesn't that go down as a foul ball? And it's not even a foul ball. That was narrow. You could have reached out your hand as a pitcher and touched it and you're calling it foul. This whole game's foul. <laughs> then he goes at bat, hits the ball over the back porch I go run it down, almost trip myself going to get it. I throw it into the pitcher. He says, and I said, sweet, got you out. He said, nah, -uh. if it goes over the porch, it's an automatic home run. Wouldn't have run. I would not have run if I knew that was an automatic home run. See, <laughs> I knew what the game was. I knew the point of the game, but I needed to know how to win in order to be a contributing teammate. And in the same way today, I want to paint a picture of how to win as a member of Lift Church and what God is calling us to do in this place. Last week, I spent a lot of time talking about stop and remember who we are. Remember why we built these stones. Remember who our God is and what he's calling us to be. But then today, I want to talk about what's next. What are we going to to do next. There's, there's many of you who's asked this question before many times throughout our four and a half year existence. That was really cool. What's next, pastor? Or, or, or the question becomes, hey, what's the vision now? And there have been times where I was wanting to communicate, the vision hasn't changed. Run the play, reach people. Um, but I, I hear what a lot of people are asking. They're asking, I get that the vision is there. What is our mandate now? What is our task now? Just like in a wiffle ball game, if you're in the seventh inning and you're winning by five, there's a slightly different mission and approach than if you're in the seventh inning and down by five, right? It changes the approach a little bit. And so let me give you some examples of, um, you know, purpose statements, visions, and missions. 
You either love vision statements and mission statements, or you, you hear them once and you're like out of sight, out of mind, and I'm quite confused by them. But the point of a mission statement, the point of a purpose statement is to define how to win as an organization. And I think more than anything else, what God wants to give us is a definition of how to win in the area and time that God has put us in. I see God has done it over and over again. Hey, tribe of Judah, occupy this land and be this people. Hey, tribe of Reuben, occupy this land and be this people. Hey, King David, rise to the throne and rule with righteousness and honor. Today, that's my goal. And, and, and you've seen this stuff before. NASA, for example... NASA has a purpose statement of exploring space. So when they, when they landed people on the moon, the question that people asked next was not, they might have said, hey, what's the vision now? But what they were really saying is, the vision hasn't changed. We're going to explore space. Now we want to get a satellite up there. Or now currently the mission is a mission to Mars, okay? So the vision hasn't changed. Explore space but what our new goal is has been redefined. The Israelites had the same thing. Their purpose when they crossed over the, into the promised land, their purpose was to become the people of God. Become it. And so, uh, but their mission changed from time to time. Like, occupy Jerusalem. Build, uh, 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 build the temple of God. Bring home the ark pastor the people, and become a nation that obeys God above anything else. Can you see how the mission just kept changing and changing, but the purpose was always the same? Become the nation of God. Are you with me? You got that? So then, in the same way, we want to do that. And, and, and so I go back to our opening scripture. And when I think about Paul, he lived a life well lived. And when I think about his words, I think it's a rich, reductionistic uh, mission statement for a lot of people on how to live a life well. Let me repeat some of those words. I run to win. I do not run without a goal. I keep my body under control. In another book, the book of Timothy, he says, I have run the race. I have finished the fight. I have kept the faith. I now shall receive a crown of righteousness, which, by the way, was a crown earned just to give it back to the king. So that he wouldn't enter into heaven empty-handed. He would be handed jewels that he could hand to the king. And that's what I want for you today, too. Are you with me? If you're like, hey, I want to be able to say some of the same things, can I get a hand clap of praise? I've run the race. We all want to hear, well done, my good and faithful son or daughter, come be with me in paradise. And in order to do that, we cannot run without a goal. And so let me ask you two questions today as I get into this message. The first one's personal. What is your goal of your faith? If you're taking notes, I would love for you to write that down, and I would love for you to look at that tomorrow morning with coffee. I'd love for you to read your word, and then I'd love you to ask yourself, what is my goal of my faith? Paul says, I never go without, without a goal. I, I do not run without a goal. 
What is the goal of your faith? And then here's the second question once we figure it out individually, corporately together. What is the goal of our faith? Collectively, what is the goal of our faith? Let me break those two down. The first one, what is the goal of your faith? I love what D.L. Moody once said. He said, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. Pooh. I think that's a good one worth repeating. Our, our biggest fear should, my, should not be uh, the, the fear of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. If the greatest thing that I do in life is win the Jamie Gladden wiffle ball game, and that's my greatest accomplishment, I have succeeded in something that really doesn't matter. <laughs> I got to live for something that's in a greater scheme of things. And let me actually give you a radical statement about this Bible that maybe you hadn't heard before. The goal of our word is not for you to make it to heaven. The goal of the Bible is to bring the kingdom of heaven down on earth. And I feel like a lot of times we can make it our goal. And I've done that in my Christianity. Like, hey, get it and then hold on, baby. <laughs> And if I just hold on, I can, I can go into an inactive faith. I can go into a passive faith. I can go into a faith that doesn't believe for very much at all, except for making it through a few trials and tribulations from time to time. I can almost get into a sleepy faith. And I can ask myself, hey, what's the goal of your faith right now? And I would say, hey, as long as I make it to heaven. But if God's goal for us was just to make it to heaven, then the moment you give your life to Christ, he might as well take you off of this earth. Because that is the safest way to heaven. God, I give you my life. Who, sweet, let me get you before you mess it all up. That's not the heart of God. Why? Because he's got a goal for you. And your faith goal is bigger than just make it to heaven. I think that's a great one, but I want to actually challenge you as your pastor. If your goal of your faith is to make it to heaven, I would implore you to prayerfully take it further. Because I have a suspicion, a very strong one, God's got something more than just that. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a desire. And so um, once we ask the question, what is the goal of my faith? And it's an individual question. Then we can start putting it together as a church body. That everybody who, who, who's in this area and, and, and goes to Live Church can now start pooling their faith missions together. And we should ask the question, how do I win as an organization right now? How do I win as the people of God called Lift Church in 2022 in the middle of Salisbury, Maryland? And so let me give you Lift Church's purpose and vision and mission statement. Let's start with the purpose, which is, which is the Great Commission, and probably should not change no matter what church you ever attend. Jesus came back in a resurrected body, saw his disciples, and gave us the mission of all missions. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus said this, go and make disciples. Someone say go. Someone say make disciples of all nations. Baptizing, the, I love that. Thank you for the answer back. See, y'all are on it today. You overachieved from what I expected, but I love that. That means you're, you're in it with me. Come on. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's a few things. Go. 
Don't stay in comfortability. Don't just sit down. Don't just say, whew, I made it. Hope I make it to heaven too. No, no, no. Be active. Be engaged. Go. Number two, make disciples. You should be a part of building others up, not just trying to keep your own. Baptizing them. Evidently, baptism is very big to Jesus. When he's resurrected and only got a few sentences left, I don't think he uh, uh, mixed his words or used, uh, picked his words poorly. I think he was very intentional. Teach about baptism. That's why one of our favorite things to do is to see baptism happen every single month. And then teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, not just what the current culture is cool with. So our purpose is very clear, and I really think, I, I can't think of a purpose for a church that should alter from this one, because it's never changing, and we'll always strive for it, and we'll always have more to do. Here's our vision at Lift Church. Here's our preferred future. I, I, I've written it this way, until all of Delmarva knows that they are lifted by Jesus, to be lifters of Jesus, to lift others for Jesus. A clearer, shorter way to say that is, he lifts, I lift, and we lift. So let me say that again. Until all of Delmarva knows that they are lifted by Jesus, to be lifters of Jesus, to lift others for Jesus. This is our preferred future. If, if the eastern shore of Delmarva Peninsula, if everyone knows that they are lifted by Jesus, becoming a lifter of Jesus, and serving to lift others for Jesus, we can say, job done. <laughs> now, I understand that's a big task. I understand that's a big call. But that's how we define a win. That's how you hit Come on, when you invite someone else to, to, to church and they give their life to Jesus Christ, just hit a single, baby. Come on, we're moving around the bases and you can't call that an out. Come on. When, when I, I help move the ball forward and more and more people are giving their life to Christ, grand slam, come on, we're on our way to completing the mission God's given us. Come on, this is what we're doing. We don't run without a goal. We keep this in mind all of the time. Come on, somebody say that. Keep it in mind all of the time. Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind when you're in the Walmart line. Come on. I'm going to just keep on going. Somebody give me something else that rhymes with time. Okay. <laughs> I got to keep it in mind all of the time. It's so funny. We rolled up on, on the beach this past week. This is not me being bashful. This is pale skin getting too much sun. <laughs> and we rolled up on the beach this past, uh, a couple days ago. And I knew the people we pulled up next to, but they didn't know I knew them. And they had a problem with how close we moved our tent to them. And I wasn't the closest one to them. So this individual started uh, uh, expressing himself clearly that we had invaded on his seat beach space. And I was like, this is interesting. I'm actually going to sit back and watch how this unfolds. How far will this go? And, and, and he was frustrated, but he did a decent job. I don't think he crossed really any lines, but, but, but when he was done, I was just like, hey, what's up, my friend? Good to see you. He was, oh, pastor. <laughs> I didn't see you there. 
you know, sometimes tourists do this, but locals are cool. And I'm just like, should have wore a sign that says, I'm a local. <laughs> we have to keep in mind all of the time that the person who pulls up their chair a little too close at the beach might just be the person God's looking for me to reach. And we're like, I'm just looking for rest. So did Jesus. After he did many things, in fact, I think it was when John the Baptist lost his life, the Bible says that when Jesus heard, he wanted to grieve, but the crowd found him. And you know what he didn't say? Y'all go away. I need my own space. I need my own rest. I need y'all, leave me alone. Can a brother get some rest? That's not what he said. He said, let him come. Let him come. And it says he ministered all night long. Because he kept in mind all of the time the Father's heart and the mission, and how to win. Can I get an amen? He lifts, I live, we live. So that's all unchanging for us, but here's our next missional goals, just like it was to build a space that we could meet in weekly. Uh, you might say, okay, now that um, this is built, what is our next missional goal? I'm going to give you four that we're working towards that if you want to help hit the ball, these are some areas that you can keep in mind. Um, number one is this, to reach the Salisbury metro area. We're going to start from here, and I'll talk about it a little bit more. It's not going to stop here. We're going to continue to, everywhere we can go, try to reach people for Jesus and keeping the lost in mind. God, over and over again, says lost things need to be found. Lost sheep need to be found. Found. Uh, and so God grieves for the lost, and we're going we're gonna to think about the lost too. We're going to try to reach the Salisbury metro area. And here's something we, I, I teach often with the staff that I want to share with you. Four ways we're going to do that. We want to see lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastored people trained, and trained people mobilized. I understand that everybody in this room is at a different place in the spiritual journey. Some are at the very, very beginning, maybe not having even started yet, and some are at the very, very end, and I think that's a beautiful thing. But I've tried to keep in mind all of the time, every time we meet, that we all have a next step we can take. And so maybe it's if you're lost, becoming saved and found in Jesus' house. Or, or, or maybe the, the found being pastored. Or maybe the pastor now being trained, or maybe the trained now being mobilized, all for uh, Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Are you with me? So, so let me break that down. Lost people saved. What does that mean? You might say, Pastor, what can I do about that? You can invite lost people. You can invite your friends who, um, uh, 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 who might get on your nerves. You can invite your friends who hasn't had a faith in God in a long time. You can invite your family members who gave up on church or who gave up and got hurt by someone in church. Come on. These are people who are hurting, and I need to connect with their hurt. I remember what it was like to be lost trying to figure it out on my own and running into a lot of walls because Jesus said it's like having a blindfold over your eyes and you're just running into things and you think you're doing an exceptional job but everybody who's lost knows I'm not killing the game right now. I get a few things right. I get a lot of things wrong. If I were to die and stand before Jesus today, I would not be proud of many of the decisions I've made. This defines someone who, who's lost and wandering and I think we should have the biggest heart of compassion for people like that. As I said last week, 
We love people. We don't label them. Ha <laughs> ha, you're so lost. You're so wrong. You're so uh, left or right. You're so this or that. No, 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 no. We have compassion for those who don't know his word like we have gotten to get to know it. And so we, 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 you can invite them to church. One of our favorite things to do is to meet your friends and family who are unchurched and dechurched. It's my personal favorite. It's kind of like the Apostle Paul says that I'm not, our goal is not to fish in somebody else's pond who's already fishing in that. Our goal is to reach the lost. Our goal is to reach the people who said, I tried church. It was boring. Gave up on that. Wasn't applicable to my life. Didn't change anything for me. It just tore me down. Didn't build me up. Well, that's not the gospel that I'm reading. Yes, there are some hard truths. There are some things we have to correct. But our God is a life-giving God who came to give you life and life more abundantly. Somebody say life. So let's help bring life to other people. In fact, one of the best places you can invite them is our grand opening will be the week after Labor Day on September 10th. Mark your calendars. We are probably going to have three experiences that day because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tell the whole city that this place is open. We've ironed out the, the wrinkles. We, we, we got every um, AC vent covered up <laughs> and painted the right color. We got every AV wire run. We got our kids' ministry figured out, and we are ready for you. We are excited to meet you. And so on September 10th, I need your help telling everybody that you know that Lift Church is having a grand opening, and you are invited. Does it sound good? All right. And so um, here's the second one. Lost people saved. Saved people pastored. What can I do, pastor? You can prioritize church so that you get pastored. We put together series so that you can have a condensed view of four things or five things or six things that we want you to get together. And we want it to be comprehensive and we want to build on each other. And anytime you just go, I'll catch one and I'll catch the last one, you're missing the meat. And not to mention, your children need to be pastored. Because you might catch it online. But our kids need a consistent walk with Jesus Christ. They consistently get math, which is not as important as how to get to heaven. They consistently get a dose of science, which is not as important as how do I get to heaven. So how about making sure that they get the consistent curriculum of the most important topic we could ever talk about so that you do not run without a goal, win in wiffle ball, and lose in eternity. Come on. We can prioritize church. We can participate in worship instead of just going, that's a cool song, band, entertain me. No, no, no. I think the Bible says lift up hands in the sanctuary. It says clap your hands. It says sing. It says shout with the shout of triumph. Come on. You can participate in worship and join us. Um, join a small group. September 17th, we'll start new small groups. Basically, change your ways to obey him. And one of my favorite things, as I just said, is baptism. Do you know, two weeks ago, we were on the beach, and it, uh, uh, it tried to rain us out, but you could not stop us. And we went out there an hour and 15 minutes later, and I think 18 people got baptized there on the beach. Come on, show them real quick. Slip through that at rapid pace. 
because there is not enough time except to just hit next, 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 next. I just want you to see all the faces of people who have gone public that I've made a decision with my life and I'm getting baptized, old, young. Come on. It was amazing to see people making a declaration of faith and being pumped up. <laughs> Come on, saved people pastored, pastored people trained. What can I do, pastor? Sign up for our growth track. Become a part of the dream team because we want to train you to see how God wired you, how you can make a difference in the kingdom of God, and so you could sign up for our growth track. Now that we have a bigger building, there are going to be more babies to hold and more doors to open, and you're a part of that solution, right? You can be a difference maker. And finally, the trained people mobilize. In other words, lead a small group. Become a leader in the next generation. Become a mentor to the next generation. Serve in kids' ministry and make a difference. Serve in youth ministry and make a difference. Or serve in our city on our second Saturday serves that happen every second Saturday um, in the morning. Just be a mobilized person with the kingdom of God. And here's what I believe. You'll find fulfillment in life when you connect how God wired you to making a kingdom difference. If it's not going to show up in heaven, you and I both know that a lot of times it ends up feeling empty. But when we do something that we know made a difference and it's going to make and it's going to matter in heaven, now all of a sudden we're saying, "I'm living my best life. This is what I was put on earth to do." Come on, I believe that wholeheartedly. So that's number one, and the band's going to come up as I just briefly go through the other three. The second um, mission that we have right now is to pay off the debt and prepare to buy this space. What does it look like to pay off the debt? Well, we took on $850,000 in loans, and I have to tell you, three weeks ago, I was not in a good place. Um, we get our financials on a regular, we have an outsourced um, uh, accounting firm who, who, who passes every credential. Did you know last year we voluntarily put our church through a financial audit and got the highest scores you could possibly get on how we handle our finances and that it is being trustworthily handled, handled when you give? And, and, and um, I'm pumped about that, but uh, I have to say that about three weeks ago, I, if you found me on a Wednesday, you would have found me dry heaving in private because... For a number of reasons, uh, our, 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 our building costs had exceeded what we had hoped for. And it, it wasn't any one person's problem. In fact, you, the church, helped bring it down significantly on workday Wednesdays and workday Saturdays and people and their generosity and stuff. But we found out that uh, with accounting coming a week or two in delay and with uh, material prices uh, uh, that, that were higher than their bid prices, no, no matter our due diligence, we were $150,000 over budget and there was nothing we could do. So we immediately paused anything that was non-essential. And um, God has been awesome in getting us into this space. And can I say this? Can you believe that for just uh, just at a million dollars, we're in a space like this in 2022. Any of y'all know anything about buildings know that that is a fraction of the cost. And it's because as a church, through prayer and giving, God has been so very good. So that's okay. We're in a great place. We had money and savings to cover it. It's just not the margin we wanted at the end of the day. But we're in a very good spot. And 
one of our missional goals is, hey, we want to pay off debt as quick as possible. In fact, I keep this in mind, Romans 13, verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. So we've always said we'll grow at the pace of your generosity. I really should say we'll grow at the pace of our generosity because my wife and I are in it too. I don't... I. I debate whether to say this or not, but I, I say this not, not to brag. I just want you to know we're in it too. My wife and I have always been on the top 10 givers since this church has been built. I, 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 I say what Paul said. I don't speak to boast. If you hear boasting, let it be boast in the Lord. I just want you to hear I'm not a pastor who's saying, y'all do this and we're not. We're in it with you. It, it's what we believe in more than anything else. We have totally put it all on the line because we believe in it and so I don't want to limit any ministries for because of debt and we won't we won't but the swifter we pay it down the quicker we reach more and more of God's lost sheep y'all get that we want to be prepared to purchase this place in three years uh, here's the third mission raise up leaders Jesus said the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and you already know that if leadership's not strong, people get hurt and the, work, and the work suffers and the work is poor. So I believe God deserves the best leaders in the house and so how do I make a difference? Join our dream team because we're always trying to do quarterly trainings with our dream team. And also that's why we started Lift College to raise up the next generation of church leaders because I think our product is fantastic. Our product is a saving grace of Jesus Christ who does it for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. How many of y'all think the product is incredible? Can I get a louder amen for that? Sometimes do you not get your mind blown at just how good our God is, just how frequently he works, just how unconditional his love is, just how far his grace extends? The product's amazing, so we don't want to stifle it with poor leaders. And then finally, the fourth one is in a couple years, two or three years, we believe that we'll launch a second campus. Why would we do that, Pastor? Well, did you know that there are a number of people 25, 30 people who drive more than 45 minutes away every single Sunday to join us at Lift Church. We've got people who drive from Crisfield, Pocomoke, Snow Hill, Vienna, Seaford, Denton, Cambridge. I had two families approach me from Ocean City who said, we can't come, Pastor. One just said, because we have a young kid, it's a little too much of a sign-up, but it's our favorite church ever. We come on special occasions. I had another say, we love it so much, we're willing to drive, but it's not close enough to invite my friends. Church, we got to help people out to invite their friends. Because people who know God will drive 45 minutes or longer to make sure they have a life-giving relationship with Jesus. But they can't invite their friends at the ball field. They can't invite their neighbors. So I think we have, we have to go until all of Delmarva knows that they are lifted by Jesus to be lifters of Jesus, to lift others for Jesus. He lifts, I lift, and we lift, baby. Can I pray for you? Father, I pray that this message sinks down deep into our hearts that we realize that this is, 
I know it's not man-made. I know you have called us to something significant. We're just honored that we get to be a part of it. Thank you for the part we all play. God, I thank you that in this room there are no accidents and no insignificant people. That, Father, you have a high calling on each and every one of our lives. And we can be difference makers. And today, for those who are doubting, saying, I'm not sure how I play into this. I'm not sure he got it right about me. Father, I pray that you would eradicate doubt right now. The enemy is always trying to plant seeds of doubt. But you, God, are the one who gives life and life more abundantly. So speak life like a fresh wind. Blow over your people today in Jesus' name. And with every head still bowed, every eye still closed. If you're in this place and you, you heard me talking about lost people running into walls, wondering, do I go this way or do I go that way? And I get it right sometimes, but I get it wrong a lot of times. If you're anything like me, years ago sitting in a church like this, realizing I've got sin in my life. Basically, I've done some stupid things I'm not proud of. And I'm, I, I need to start all over again. Or maybe you're like the person who thinks, I've screwed up too much, and I've got to get things right before God would ever accept me. I'm here to tell you, Jesus already paid the price for you. He desires to be close to you. He desires to forgive you and give you new life. And so if you're in this place right now, no one's looking around. I won't call you forward, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to ask you a simple question. Are you right with God? Would you today make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? It's a real simple way of doing it. You just acknowledge, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. So would you do that right now? If that's you today, just quickly throw your hand up in the air, and you can put it right back down. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you for the courage in this place. Yes, yeah, I see you too. Thank you. Come on, if that's you, don't stay in your seat. I see you. Thank you, young man. I see you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I see you in the back. Thank you so much. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I thank you for new starts. Come on, everybody pray this prayer and repeat after me, especially those who raise their hands. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm so sorry for my sin. I ask you to forgive me today. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. You are the Son of God. And when you did it, you did it to give me a new start. I am free. I am forgiven because you died on the cross. I accept your forgiveness, and I make you Lord of my life going forward. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen and amen. Come on, let's get loud today.